55 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I won't win it. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Wyatt sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Video games. What? Video games. Those boys on the radio show before this one talked about video games for one solid hour. It's fine. I, I hey. I think it was more interesting to the audience than the preseason rankings and Heisman predictions. I think you're right, Roger. I think you're right. I think people are sick and tired of the preseason (laughs) buildup. Including us. I want the season. Yeah. Well, look, that's right. I mean, seriously. You get to a point. I do it every year. A lot of people like the preseason stuff. Man, I'm ready to kick off. You know you're going to get to watch live preseason NFL football Thursday night if that floats your boat. And we're going to have that game here, too. All right. We're going to broadcast Bowl, that right? game? Okay. Yeah. It'll be the wor- Outside of the Pro Bowl, it'll be the worst <laughs> football game ever played this entire season. The first, that Hall of Fame game is the worst football game played every year. But Who's I watch the Falcons this year? And Falcons and somebody else. I watch it every year, though, just because yeah. you get to see them. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Put it on pause. Hang on. Hang on. Thank you very much. Coffee in the Cup from High Point Roasters in New Albany. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Roger, i got to send a video to you, a project I worked on for Jonathan Petty, local Farm Bureau agent here in Lee County. And he was doing a crawfish boil for a fundraiser for Nettleton High School. Nice. They were selling crawfish places a while back, yeah. and we just finished the video. Community involvement. Hey, right he, you talk about a crawfish operation. Wait until you see this. I'm going to send you the video. Big, huge tubs, like these plastic swimming pools full of crawfish and pouring it into this big thing, and he's, like, stirring it with a boat paddle. What this guy used to cook in the Army or something? It was incredible. Now, I mean, backtracking. Now, let me give you a heads up. In about two minutes, three minutes, something like that, Tim Brando is going to join us on the phone all the way from California. He's out there for meetings and TV stuff, but we're going to talk with Tim Brando, the Tim Brando from Fox Sports about college football. Uh, but on the video game thing, there's one game I know for sure I could compete in a national tournament. And yeah, the old, the tried, the true, Pac-Man and Mrs. Pac-Man, there's no question I could compete in that one. And you know why, Roger? You did. No, the reason I know I could compete in it is because the game is easy. <laughs> Anybody can play that game. All you have oh. to have is working opposable thumbs. And that's my point in all this, Chris Brooks and Beaver. <laughs> You're right. Video games, they transcend every demographic out there. You know why? Because they're easy. 
It's just that, that old saying. You know, people will say, Hey, look, such and such over here, if it was easy, everybody'd be doing it. Well, you know why everybody's playing vis- video games? It's easy. And fun. Don't <laughs> <laughs> forget that part. A lot of stuff I don't do just because it's easy. Like You're falling right. in a manhole cover. In a manhole. I try not to do that. <laughs> You're right, Roger. It is fun. Oh, my gosh. I can remember it like yesterday. I wasted hours out hours. at a bar playing Galaga. <laughs> By the way, how you like my hip-hop version of Pac-Man? Yeah. Got the remix. This is Pac-Man, the remix. Look, when, we, when I was in uh, kindergarten... Living in Selma, Alabama. My dad was the pastor at Fairview Baptist Church. My mom was the pianist. And they brought home an Atari video game. And it had two games with it. Pac-Man and then some other game with like 64 different games on it. Mm. And they sat... My parents now sat there and played Pac-Man until like 4 in the morning. They didn't even make us go to bed. They didn't care if we walked out of the house or not. Acting like typical addicts. <laughs> they were hooked on Pac-Man the first day. So video yeah, game. Right. My, my introduction to video games, Pac-Man. And then the next one is Super Mario Brothers on the original Nintendo. There are some stuff online right now. At this very moment, you can go and play um, Super Mario Brothers like online on your laptop, on your computer. And if I get into that, it's over. If I start that, it's over. It's done. I'm through for the rest of the day because it brings... And then the duck hunt thing. Who actually played duck hunt? I know. I I, hate, I hated it. The gun didn't really work like it was supposed to half the time. <laughs> Video games, man. 40 million people tried to get into a Fortnite tournament. You know why? Yeah, it's fun. It's also easy. All you need is thumbs. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's do it. I remind you every day about the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. They are the oldest Kubota dealer in the United States of America. Did you hear me? They've been doing it better, longer than anyone else at uh, Divinity Equipment right here. And on the Divinity phone, a real treat, a voice that you hear uh, year-round. Whether it's PGA golf tournaments, big time basketball, and big time college football, and more. Tim Brando, longtime national broadcaster, and he's on your radio right now, joining us from way out west. And, and Tim, I did learn don't be texting your guests at 8 a.m. when they're on the West Coast. Sorry about that. <laughs> Not a problem. I was sleeping like a baby. I've, I've handled jet lag for most of my uh, adult life. So. <laughs> I was I was sawing logs. No beat from my phone was going to give me a problem at all. Great. Oh well, good. That's good news. I appreciate it. You know, we're all looking forward and even counting down. I've been counting down for two months to the start of the college football season. And, you know, that first one, we're going to get Miami, Florida. But you start, again, glancing through the schedule, and it's come up in recent weeks, Tim. And I just would like to know what you think. Or just kind of start us off what you think about the, the idea that the SEC – in our conference, we only have eight conference games and a whole bunch of cupcake non-conferences, and the other ones are playing nine conference games or more. Why is the SEC still sitting here with eight in 2019? 
Because they're dominating uh, national championships and hoisting crystals at the end of the year. And if it's uh, if it's working, why change it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really understand that part of it. Uh, I don't think it's in the best interest of college football. I certainly don't think it's um, in the best interest of the fan uh, because uh, they're, deep, they're they're reaching deep into their pockets and going to watch blowout games. And in some cases, being scolded uh, if you're down the road in Tuscaloosa for not showing up when they're playing FCS teams in November. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's, it's really sad. Uh, the state of college football from a national standpoint has flatlined, in my opinion. Uh, we are, uh, I think, on the verge of, of seeing it lose some of its grasp uh, of the attention of the rest of the country. Now, Matt, this doesn't mean anything to a lot of your listeners mm-hmm. and a lot of fans in the SEC because it'll always be the biggest thing in college football. College football is our life and our lifestyle mm-hmm. uh, in the South. We're talking about growing the sport beyond those boundaries. And uh, during the, the BCS era, say what you want about the BCS. God knows uh, I did for the entire time it was in play. <laughs> I did not like it. Uh, I, I like this. Uh, position we're in now worse i think it's worse than the bcs uh because it's become uh, so predictable and almost an invitational for brand name teams only mm-hmm. uh i can tell you in july who's going to play in january uh, that's that's not good uh, if it's that predictable that's not good but schedules have a lot to do with it um i think schedules are 70 to 80 percent of the importance of whether you can navigate your way to a regular season that enables you to, to qualify to be in the college football playoff. And, um, uh, and the SEC has cracked the code in a lot of respects uh, to get two teams in on a couple of occasions. And, in fact, obviously at the end of the BCS era, we ended it, frankly, because of the, uh, the blowout of uh, LSU against uh, Alabama in that rematch. Uh, we wouldn't be at the college football playoff had not that occurred. But we're, I think we're staring at two teams from the SEC getting in again this year. And, and I know that makes a lot of people happy, but it's not, it's not good for the growth of the game. And until we uh, stabilize and, and, and make some uniform changes to the way college football is governed and, co- and, and, and games are scheduled, uh, we're going to go down this slippery slope. And I think interest will continue to wane uh, around the country and, uh, we're already seeing attendance uh, sliding in a lot of places, uh, and we're seeing television ratings, especially for the playoff, not living up to what advertisers have been told they should get. Uh, we're not getting NFL playoff uh, ratings for these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're not a part of the college football playoff, the New Year's Six games have, have gotten so meaningless that players are opting not to play in them. Uh, this is not good. These are warning signs, yellow flags, red flags, you know, and if the people that are in charge of these conferences continue to go down this road and only think about themselves and their own constituency, uh, college football is going to, you know, I think it's going to drop even further in terms of national significance. And I I don't want to see that, and I I don't think a lot of other people want to see it. Tim, you, uh, I agree with you. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Do we know, do you have an, a, a thought as to you know where we place a lot of this blame? The attendance going down. Yes, it's big in the SEC, but 
I know the stat is that the SEC hit an all-time high total attendance in 2016, but the last two years it's gone down. So the SEC is experiencing it now overall. How much of that is this this home viewing experience? We'll turn on our TVs. But also how much of this declining attendance do you think is because of disinterest of, just like you said, we know who's in the playoff in July? That's part of it. Uh, technology plays a role. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, there are certainly more games on and more games to see, and these 78-inch screens that we can put in our homes mm. makes uh, tailgating a lot more fun and a hell of a lot more convenient. You know, I get that. Uh, but but at the same time, I think that uh, uh, the issues here, if you look at the numbers across the board of where, where is attendance sliding the most, uh, it's sliding the most among the student bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the kids are not coming to these games. Uh, and that's because, I think, in large measure, they've got more things to do, more more toys to play with. more, And their attention spans, uh, a lot of studies have been done, are, are not very lengthy. Uh, even at the game, I think <laughs> the experience for them is, in a lot of respects, more about well, here, here's my selfie at the at the game. Got the picture. Okay, let's. Where are we going next? You know, they're not they're not buying into the game or staying. I mean, that's just a different. Um, it's just a different approach to life. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've got kids that are now 29 and 36, and so when they were younger, they were kind of telling me what was going on, and I, and kept me abreast of 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 what their friends and and. And, and the people they were hanging with were thinking, and uh, the lifestyles of of those in that that really coveted demographic of eighteen to thirty five uh, are different now than they were twenty years ago, twenty five years ago. So uh, you got to adjust and adapt to that. Part of the problem at a lot of the older stadiums is the inability for these young people to get Wi Fi, mm-hmm. and they can't keep up with other games. Well, if you're watching on television. Uh, every network's got studio people updating games, highlights of this. That's what the young, it's not that they're not interested. A lot of the, the, the young people are interested in the games, but they're so interested, they don't want to give up the access to what's going on elsewhere to go to their game because they can't get what they need. So the schools have to adapt, and, they, and I know some SEC schools have done that technologically. Uh, they're doing the best to update games, even with some video highlights. you got to have those things, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, that those are changes that need to be made uh, across the board. But uh, to me, the bigger issue is, um, you know, we hear this all the time from, uh, and I used to say it, uh, but you hear this especially now from the bureaucracy. I don't say it anymore. Bureaucracy will say, well, we don't want to expand the playoff because then that would ruin the best regular season in sports. Matt, that is the biggest myth in sports today. Sure it is. That college football has the, the, the best regular season. If we had the best regular season in college football, do you think we would be seeing the games we see the third week in November in the SEC? <laughs> no. Uh, think about that. Could you do without? Could you do without that week? I could. Yeah, absolutely. I could do without that week. Mm-hmm. So and don't, but of... don't tell me. Yeah, don't tell me we're trying to protect the greatest regular season in sports because it's not. Right. Right. Tim Brando on your radio right now. Y'all follow him on Twitter if you don't already. Just his name at Tim Brando. Uh, national sports voice for Fox Sports. Tim, the SEC model, here, here's the biggest issue I have with it. For example, last season Florida went to Starkville, played Mississippi State in Starkville last season. 
with the current rotation, the next time Florida would go to Starkville would be 2030. <laughs> it, they're, not even, they're not even in the same conference um, effectively with this current schedule model, East and West. I mean, mm-hmm. I agree with you. You said that, I think, don't you think that's the word that describes it is absurd? Yes, yes, it's absolutely absurd. No question about it. Uh, And the fact that Alabama plays the non-conference crossovers that they play, compare that to their rival in their own state, Auburn. (laughs) Look at the Auburn schedule this year, Matt. Okay, I was just at the Bon Ravage after going to uh, uh, 38 for about uh, 10 days, uh, the combination of those two places. So I was in your state not long ago, and I looked at the odds for winning the national championship. Auburn's a really good team, by the way. Mm-hmm. If they can get their quarterback situation worked out, um, I think because of who they play, they might actually surprise people. They're a 50-to-1 shot to win the national championship. You know, that's actually not a bad bet. Right. If you're, just, you're, if you're a betting man, that's not a bad bet. Consider this. Look who they play. All right? They play already because of their rivalry. They play Georgia. Right, they play Alabama, and then look, look at they're playing non-conference. Okay, uh, Oregon out of the gates, probably the the best team, most talented team in the in the uh, Pac-12, and then measure that against Alabama, and tell me that the, the the road they have to navigate is anywhere close to the same one that Alabama does. Right, no, it's <laughs> not know? close, and it's very uneven. And you know, the other thing is year in year out, I think it's uneven. And, and I know we're going to get some of that with with about f- four minutes left here, Tim. Th- this permanent cross division rival thing. You know, we're told that Alabama must play Tennessee every year, Auburn must play Georgia every year. Therefore, the rest of the league's scheduling is held hostage, yeah. and so Matt, yeah. they shove it down <laughs> our throat. <laughs> they do, and Matt, it's it's. Listen, I I have people don't want to hear this, but it's true. It's an Alabama-centric league in college football. The SEC has always been an Alabama-centric league. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that the people in the office are biased for Alabama. That, that's not the point. The point is the schedule has always been going back years, channeling it through the years. Bear Bryant used to run the bowl system. Bear would call his friend Mickey down at the Sugar Bowl and say, well, here's what I got. I got Georgia. I got... He, he put together the, <laughs> the teams that were going to be in the bowls. Okay? If you know the history of college football, you know this to be fact. Okay? This isn't made up. It's fact. Bear would say, Charlie McClendon's down at LSU. We'll get him here. We don't play them till the end of the year. We'll beat them. Georgia, you can get them over in the blue bonnet. We'll get... he, he'd set up like four teams in like early November. That uh, the guy, and it started by calling Mickey over at the Sugar Bowl, at the Sugar Bowl office, and you know this went on for years. Now you update it, and you see when Roy Kramer separated the conferences into divisions, you know, with mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. South Carolina and Arkansas coming in. I mean, there was no way, all right, that could have ever happened if the Alabama-Tennessee game hadn't been protected, and there was no way. Auburn was ever going to play in the Eastern Division, even though it made more sense for Auburn to be in the Eastern Division. You could have kept the Auburn-Alabama game in a crossover, but Alabama wouldn't have any of it because of the Tennessee situation. Right. So, 
And we're, and that was in 1992. That's a long time ago. Okay, <laughs> I can see why that was an issue that Roy Kramer had to get past. But I mean, that was we're living in a different world now. Okay, sure. Uh, and when you see the crossover games that um, you know the guaranteed opponent that LSU has to play versus Alabama, Florida, and North Tennessee, tell me that the tell me that's right. Yeah. Tell me how that works. Okay. Yeah. So. We're living in the past, uh, and I'm sorry, but Greg Sankey, to me, appears to be uh, a commissioner, unlike Mike Slive, that's a bit more of an, uh, an NCAA litigator, and he doesn't really hear any of this. And all he's, all he's thinking is, hey, we're lapping in the dough, we've got more money than we've ever had, and uh, case closed. We're yeah. going to continue to play eight games. And I'm sorry... That, for the short term, may look good, but long term, it's not good for the league and it's not good for the sport. And that's what we, that's what we agree on there is the long term. I'll just, you know, we got to see how that's going to play out. Tim, uh, the time always goes by so quickly when I get to chat with you just because it's interesting and fun for me. And I just can't say thanks enough. On what's, I know it's a busy day for you. So, listen, I really appreciate it. Well, happy to do it. You know that. Anytime, yep. I've always respected your work and it takes me back to time on. Uh, I was reminiscing with um, Urban Meyer last night. Uh, you know, he's joining us at the Fox Studio, and mm-hmm. we were talking about the times he spent uh, at Florida as head coach in the SEC. And trust me, our memories are, are vivid and always uh, great to be on with you. And I, I remember those games I called that you were a part of. And anytime you need me, just call. Great. Thank you so much, Tim. All right, have a great day. Okay, buddy. All right. You bet. Thank you. That's Tim Brando, Fox Sports. What do you think? Let me know. You can weigh in, call, and text. I'll give you those numbers when we come back. Here on the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Back on the show. What's happening, y'all? Hope you had a great weekend. Hope your Monday is cruising along for you so far. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. They are your home team. Local agents you deal with one-on-one. We're hanging out in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Hey! It's a neighborly day. Roger. <laughs> yes, sir. Did you have a good weekend? I did. I stayed, uh, I, I gotta admit though, I felt completely like a couch potato. Mm-hmm. Or recliner potato. No, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. You gotta do that sometimes. You know, when the fall rolls around, you have all these games and stuff. You don't get to do that too much. Right. Do you? Get to- I was thinking about how much busier it's gonna be here in a month. We we're talking about, you know, how we look forward to it. And then mm-hmm. I got to thinking, ooh, and we're gonna wake up and it'll be January. Right. It'll be here before you know it. When it's January, that'll be signing day. Speaking of recruiting, Steve Robertson is going to jump on with us here in just a few minutes. Y'all know who Steve is, Scout Steve R. Our tatted-up friend is going to be on the show coming up uh, in about, oh, 10 minutes or so from now. And we'll get a recruiting update from a Mississippi State perspective because over the weekend, apparently, things started shaking loose in a good way. I think they got some recruits and to commit and all this kind of stuff. So we'll get the lowdown from Steve. That's coming up. Speaking of Roger, though, in Mr. Roger's neighborhood, he sent me some nuggets. And, I, man, Roger, I appreciate this. How about this? Today, 
is Dak Prescott's 26th birthday. Right. Happy birthday, Dak! Man, I don't know that I've enjoyed watching somebody play ball around here more than I enjoyed watching Dak Prescott play in college. Well, I, I didn't. There's just nobody I've enjoyed watching play more than him. Do you believe LSU missed on him? That's hard to believe, isn't it? I mean, it's a you can't convince me that it's not a big reason why Les Miles is not coaching there anymore. Then, you know, with the Cowboys the last three years, and this is about to be his fourth, I've watched just about every game, every snap. I'm, I've, I've kind of become this quasi-de facto Cowboys fan just because of him. It's hard not to root for. I mean, it's such a nice guy. Uh-huh. By all accounts. Yeah, that's right. Not like we're hanging out on the weekend or anything. That's right. Roger also said, NFL camps, uh, training camps are open, and word in Arizona is that the Cardinals' defensive players are already in midseason form missing tackles. Look, <laughs> they uh, the news out of Arizona is they released former first-round pick Robert Kimdichie. Remember him? Oh, yeah. About three, four the- years ago when they were in college, Roger, on the radio, I said, look, man, I'm just watching things on – film here and watching these two guys and if you compare Chris Jones at Mississippi State and Robert Kimdichie at Ole Miss I mean Chris just he's actually playing like the better player and just saying that there were people that were ready to cut off my legs I'm and was talking, this the Kimdichie that had the the pot photos going around uh, well that? I mean they both did so oh. I don't know. yeah I don't know I mean he's the one who jumped out the window Oh, yeah, that's the one. In Atlanta. But he was first-round pick. Super-duper talented. But, yeah, you know, three, four years ago. I think what I said is – judgment issues, you might think, you know. That's right. He's ultra-talented. They drafted him in the first round. The Chiefs took Chris Jones out of state like nine picks later. Chris is blowing and going and rooting and tooting, going to get a new contract or just did anyway. And I think that maybe they hadn't finalized it yet. He's the thirty number 35 or 36 player in the NFL and – and he had so much upside because he's so huge. He was always a little taller than Kimdichie. Um, But just saying that, again, it was about four years ago, but just saying, just saying the thought that it looked to me like on film like Chris was playing like the better player might even have more upside. Man, Ole Miss fans wanted to. I mean, they wrote me off completely. But anyway, uh, here we are. No, and then the other thing Roger sent me, y'all listen to this. <laughs> With... Ingenuity and new invention become new loopholes for people to be a turd. (laughs) I wondered how you were going to put that. That's what this is. You know, now anybody can deliver your food. I went through a fast food drive-thru like Wendy's the other day, Roger, and on the window it says something like, I forget what it is, but it's the name of a company. It says, just order it and they'll bring it to you. Like you'll order fast food, somebody goes through the drive-thru and gets it for you and brings it to you. Yeah. Here is the headline. (laughs) Almost one-third of delivery drivers admit they've eaten a customer's food. According to a new survey, 21% of people say they believe a delivery driver has stolen some food at some point from them. And 28% of drivers admit they have. So it's happening. (laughs) Look, it's not just an idea. It's happening. 
Listen to the words coming out of my mouth right now, Mississippi. Somebody hearing my voice right now is having food delivered to them that is being eaten by the delivery driver. I ordered 12 wings. (laughs) (laughs) I got eight. Man, there's not a lot of fries in here. I know. What happened to all these? They skimped on the fries. No, they didn't. Your driver ate them. You ever had food delivered, thought the portion of fries or the number of wings seemed a little light? Now we know why. According to a new survey, 21% of people say they believe a delivery driver stole some of their food. And sure enough, 28% of the drivers say, yep, we did it. Another 54% of drivers say they haven't taken food but have been tempted. Why, thank you very much for not being te- for you know not acting on your temptation. Well, the temptation would be when that smell got up to the front part of the car. It would be kind of tempting, but. Now, how about this long research? way between being tempted and doing? How about this research? Would you like to be the person that has to go out and get this info? The survey also asks. Survey says. Remember that guy Richard Dawson? He used to kiss everybody on Family Feud. Family Feud. The survey also asked people how upset they would be if a driver grabbed some fries out of their order. On a scale of one to ten, one being okay with it, ten being totally unacceptable. The average was eight. Point four. Just call it eight and a half. Wow. <laughs> That's how mad you'd be if the driver but, ate some of your fries. And it's not, I guarantee you, Roger, it's not, they're not mad because the food's been eaten. They're more upset because somebody else's dirty hands have touched their food. But in this in this uh month of uh exposes what we've seen uh with people licking ice cream and, and oh, the, no. the other thing that went around last week was uh these teens opening up bottles and spitting in it and putting it back. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I would thank them for not spitting in my food and and you help yourself to a few fries. And the other links you sent me, we are definitely going to have to get to some of this, Roger, before the show is up. Because let me just give you a sample of the headlines that Roger sent me, y'all. Listen. Four toxic co-workers to avoid. The soul sucker, <laughs> the martyr, the chit-chatter, and the know-it-all. We're going to talk about those. Here's a headline that said, police caught a guy who replaced his broken taillight with a bottle of red Gatorade. <laughs> That'd be great. If, it, if the bulb wasn't burst and it, and it just replaced the cover, that's pretty ingenious. Yeah. So, so well, I've got to get to that, too. I mean, well, it is ingenious. We've all seen that. I, I saw it. Stay in there. I saw a picture um, on Facebook. It's obviously fake. It's made to get a lot of clicks. But somebody, just for the photo, had taken an old car. And had used some duct tape to fashion a window unit air conditioning unit. You know, like you put in your house or your trailer? They put a window unit in the window of the car and then had an extension cord running up on top of the car where they had fashioned a generator. (laughs) It's like this old 1970s Buick. Roger. You you say it was just for the photo. (laughs) I really think it had to be just for the photo. I think all of that would have still been cheaper than it would have cost them to put regular air in the car. <laughs> Sounds like something you see on the people at Walmart site. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Recruiting next with Steve Robertson right here on the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around for that. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. What we're dealing with here 
is a complete lack of respect for the law. Out here. Here we go. Rolling along. It is afternoon, and I still have plenty of coffee in the thermos, and that's good news. Good stuff from High Point Roasters in New Albany. You can get yours at highpointroasters.com. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Cruton, you know what that is? Recruiting never stops. It's 365 days a year in college football. It's big business. Tim Brando told you earlier on the show, we get it. We understand it's a way of life here, and it's this. We're fans. We are eat up, as they say, with college football year-round, and that means recruiting is big business. And some things shook loose in recruiting in the state of Mississippi over the weekend. Let's learn about it. I don't have the details, but somebody who does is Steve Robertson from Jeans Page and 24-7 Sports on Twitter. He is at ScoutSteveR, and he's on your radio right now. Steve? I hope your weekend uh, was great. Thanks for coming on, man. What's up? Oh, it's so nice of you to say. It was an extremely busy weekend. Uh, but, yeah, especially with uh, the Summer Slam event is what they're calling it, the Summer Slam cookout, the summer dead period, which is kind of a new thing, you know, Matt. In recent yeah. years, they've instituted a summer dead period. And so that ended. And so college coaches around the country were trying to get kids back on campus for unofficial visits. State was able to have their big cookout and have about, I guess, about 30 prospects and, and their families here. Okay, so Mullen and company used to have the big dog camp in the middle of the summer, and I always remember that being a big deal. Uh, is this so, so this is kind of what that is, but with a new name for Coach Moorhead and staff? Well, you still you're still having that camp, but you're having it in June. And one of the, the the parts of that is a lot of the kids didn't want to come and compete, or high school coaches didn't want them competing the week before their own fall camp begins, because if you run the risk of injury there, then all of a sudden the availability for the season opener is in question. And so Joe Moorhead and his staff decided to do that earlier in the summer. So if there is a hamstring tweak or an ankle turn or something, they've got plenty of time to recover from that. And I think that's probably the way to do it. Uh, but, yeah, so Mullen and them still doing Friday Night Lights down there. Some people like to do the camp state. No, Miss Buzz would like to do more of a cookout family-type deal. Right. Gotcha. Steve Robertson on your radio. Okay, so I mentioned some things shook loose. Um, the one thing I saw, and I, I think it was from you, it came across my Twitter feed, is that Malik Heath, kid that's a, uh, a Jackson um Kid originally, did he go to Callaway in high school? Do I have the right school? That's correct. Okay, so he went to Callaway, signed with State. He wound up in junior college at Colin, and he recommitted. What What do we need to know about him and his timeline with him making his mind up again to go to Mississippi State? Well, you know, Matt, I've been doing this now for nearly 20 years, and he's one of the top five receivers in the state of Mississippi that I have covered. I mean, that's a pretty elite company when you begin to factor him in with guys like, you know, DeAndre Brown and A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. He is kind of cut from that same cloth. He is a difference maker at receiver. Didn't have a real prolific high school offense around him at Colin. He has become more of a polished product there. We're expecting a big year from him. But he's a guy that's always wanted to go to Mississippi State, wanted to – 
rep the home brand. Now, he may end up taking a visit or two, but he's he's locked in with Mississippi State. We've been expecting this since February for him mm-hmm. to announce. And then he finally elected to say, you know what, I want to get this done before the season because I want to focus on my year, focus on academics and what I need to do to get out of here. And so a uh, long time coming, but still well-received news at a position of need for Mississippi State. So what kind of player is he? And who does he? Who would you compare him to? Maybe to help us kind of picture it in our head. Well, I, I would say he might have a little bit better catch radius than, than Fred Ross, but I think he is kind of cut from that same cloth. Where he is a guy that's going to be a volume guy. He's going to be a production guy, catch a lot of passes for you. He's a guy you like to kind of get him underneath, just because of the fact that he's so big and strong and open field. He's difficult to, to kind of get to the ground, but he can make some plays out of the numbers as well. There's not a lot of guys, I think, in recent years at Mississippi State that have had the skill set that he's had, and I think he would have been a guy that would have played as a freshman. And now you look at what Joe Moorhead's trying to do offensively, and you bring in Javante Payton and Isaiah Zuber. He is in that same vein as those guys that can go up and elevate, make plays down the field, but also, too, can catch and run. Mm -hmm. And you're right, no doubt needed uh, type of position. Um it, it was there. Is there anything else? I, I, again, Steve, um, there might have been another commitment or two. Uh, I don't know, but outside of Heath committing to state this weekend, was there any other big news on the trail? Well, by and large, you had most of the commitments here. There were some guys, you know, that are in Iowa and California that couldn't make the trip because okay. they have to come on their own dime. And then Brandon Buckhalter is a guy that now is at Hartsfield Academy and uh, committed to Ole Miss, one top prospect, twenty twenty one. He was on campus, so that's that's interesting and. And tit for tat, State had a commitment, uh, Jacobon Brown from Horn Lake, that went to Ole Miss this weekend instead of coming to Mississippi State. So there's always some in-state drama to consider at every event. Sure. Steve Robertson on your radio, one of the veterans in recruiting coverage and sports coverage, really, in the state of Mississippi. Follow him on Twitter, at ScoutSteveR. If you don't already, you'll be glad you did. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you, I know you were around, certainly, and probably got to know these guys when they were coaching and playing at Mississippi State. That's when I was in school 20 years ago, Steve. But John Hendrick, who's now the new head coach at Jackson State, he was a defensive line coach in all those late 90s great defensive lines at State. And he's got a guy on his staff in Dorset Davis. I saw them on Twitter. They're doing some recruiting. Have you had a chance to bump into those guys from Jackson State out on the recruiting trail? You know, I talked to Coach Hendrick you know, the last couple of years when he was a member of Tony Hughes' staff, and, and it's good to get him back in Mississippi, and you know what a great guy he is. Mm-hmm. And so I expect him to do exceptionally well there, especially on the recruiting side of it. And Dorset Davis, I mean, goodness. I mean, that, that, that's a that's a name that still strikes fear in the heart of opposing SEC quarterbacks around this league. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to do well, and I think one of the things with them, too, is just, you know, that program – and Tony Hughes, I think, was kind of a, a foundational guy to kind of get them back on the path. And then, of course, Tony now back at Mississippi State, we're happy to have him. But I think Coach Hedrick will kind of benefit from some of the foundation that was laid with Coach Hughes. And I think they're ready to kind of take that next step. And I think a lot of that credit goes to, to Tony Hughes and, and John. Yeah. Steve, um, 33 days, I think it is. 33 days we're going to put a football on a tee in the Superdome and. New Orleans. Um, what, do you, what do you think on quarterback? I know people would love to hear uh, you lay down some big, uh, bold prediction of who's going to be the quarterback here on July the 29th. I'm not trying to paint you in that corner, but what do you think? Well, I think it's going to be Tommy Stevens. And uh, I, I think because of the fact that he has the skill set 
to run this offense at its highest level of proficiency, unless he goes into camp and just thinks it up, it's going to be him. And, and I think because of the fact that Joe wants to really attack that deep third and kind of get those safeties out of the box, that mm. he fits more of what Joe wants from the quarterback position. Now, I still expect Keaton to play. I still expect Jalen Maiden to play. But I think they're going to be more package guys. And I think really, in many respects, Keaton was a more prolific passer than Nick Fitzgerald was, but not on the level of Tommy Stevens. This could be a good development year for Keaton, but uh, I still see him as a part of the program and certainly see him as a guy that could be a package guy because, you know, when Joe had McSorley and Stevens together at Penn State, they were on the field at times together. Mm -hmm. He used some of them as some gadget plays. And so I I expect State to be a little more innovative offensively this year when it comes to play calling. You know, Steve, I do too. Um Last year, there were these things of, you know, two quarterbacks on the field at once. We'd hear about it. And, you know, he saw a little thing here, there, the bowl game. He saw Keaton run a route and some of that. But it was it's very sparingly. But I don't know, man. I just have a gut feeling that in 2019, we're going to see more of that. With this RPO stuff where you can hand the ball to one guy and he can still throw the ball, depending on your you know, alignment and all. I just, I'm like you. I think we're going to see some wrinkles that we probably. Maybe nobody has seen before. Yeah, I agree. And I think Joe, too. I think Joe took the indictment about the offense being ruled inconsistent last year. I think he took that very personally. And, and some of the players, too, Amanda, told us that Joe has been a lot more involved. And that Joe was play caller last year. But a lot of the game plan, a lot of things that went along with that, Luke Getzey was really involved with. And some of the players said, hey, you know, Joe – Joe has a spoon in every pot now, and I think that's probably good for Mississippi State because you go out and you hire that guy because he is the number one assistant coach in the country and considered one of the most innovative offensive minds in the game. So the fact that he's more involved with with every aspect of the offense I think is a great thing for Mississippi State. Now that's an analogy I really like. You said he's got a spoon in every pot. I don't, you know, I'm 42 years old. That makes total sense, but I'm not sure I've ever heard that one before. Is that one? Is that a Columbia, Mississippi one, or did that come from elsewhere? Well, I didn't. I didn't it's not an original. So it's <laughs> okay. one of those things you pick pick up living in Mississippi. Yeah, I think my problem is I've I got way too many pots, and not enough spoons. You know what I'm saying? I think that's my <laughs> biggest issue. Uh, I'm gonna have to hang on to that one. Steve, always appreciate your time, buddy. Good to hear your voice, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. See you soon, brother. Take care. Yeah, man. Steve Robertson, y'all follow him on Twitter. Roger, I got too many pots and not enough spoons. Is that, is that the problem? It <laughs> reminds me of the old saying, my bucket's got a hole in it. My bucket's got a hole in it. My granddad, who was a World War II veteran, took a bullet, became the mayor of Maplesville, Alabama. Everybody remembers it. Used to say, ask him how he's doing. Hey, how you doing? He'd say, I'm drinking from the saucer, meaning his cup runneth over. That's nice. So he's drinking from the saucer. Next time somebody asks me how I'm doing, I'm going to say, too many pots, not enough spoons. I'm covered up. I got more than I can handle. (laughs) Good stuff from Steve. Hour one in the books. Coming up, an update from Nashville, Tennessee on one of our own, two of our own, A.J. Brown and Jeffrey Simmons. Both are Tennessee Titans. That's coming up. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.